Please remain standing, in body or in spirit, for today's scripture lesson from the Gospel according to the book of Philippians. Listen for the word of God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Justice, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my salvation. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now, as always in my body, whether by life or by death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And please be seated, and thank you much, Sarah, for that wonderful reading of the Scripture lesson this morning. And good morning, Christ Church family. And look at us this morning. The choir is swaying and clapping, and you're clapping, and I think revival's breaking out around here. Amen? Yeah. What a day. My goodness. Well, as we continue in worship this morning, uh, before the sermon, if I could just give you a couple of very, very brief, uh, hopefully, updates on a couple of things. First of all, I'd like to update you on, uh, on the repairs in the sanctuary. Obviously, we're, we've been back in the sanctuary uh, last week and this week after our incident on, <laughs> on Christmas Eve, and uh, ongoing thanks and, and gratitude for our facility staff. Uh, as you know, they and others were just right on it on Christmas Eve to begin the cleanup, to get the water out. Uh, what you're maybe not as aware of is that they continue to do the cleanup even after all of that was done, even after some things had kind of been touched or interacted with the water. Uh, they, were, they were on those pieces of equipment and tables with, with uh, steel wool and just working just diligently to, to clean that up and to make sure everything was uh, well taken care of. And because of that, we didn't have to call a professional restoration service to come in here and do anything, which saved us… Uh, a good amount of money and time in getting back in here. Yeah, you can clap. Amen. And I'll give you something else to clap for. On the other side is where the damage was, and of course the pipes had already been been fixed before we were in here last week, of course pressure back to the fire suppression systems, uh, and uh, the, the, the repairs have been going on in there. They are materially done. It's almost finished in there. But the other bit of good news is that a, a very generous family that chooses to remain a- anonymous, uh, they have stepped forward and agreed to pay for the cost of getting all of that repaired in there. That's something else we can talk about. So when you see a member of the facility staff, uh, make sure you just uh, go out of your way to thank them and appreciate them. This is their building. 
and they take a lot of personal pride in, in everything that happens here and uh, how this building looks. And uh, we, we so appreciate them very, very much. And also what, what I was reminded of in all of this is what we all know about Christ Church is that we all, we all want to help and we all care about this place and we care about what God has us here for. And that is just shown through, uh, through uh, what happened on Christmas Eve and, and the aftermath of that. So that's one update. The other update I want to give you is about the budget. So you may remember that during our stewardship uh, emphasis back in the fall that I, I stood before you uh, like I do today, and I, I mentioned that when we look into next year, now this year, that we were facing a looming financial crisis. And I, I shared with you that the way that we, we avert that crisis is how we all come together through what was then our Count Me In campaign, and, and that will help what we were looking at. What we were looking at was a, a shortfall in our budget versus uh, expenses over income. And, uh, and I got to say that I'm so, I've just been so um, grateful for how you have responded to that. When we look at uh, the 2022 campaign versus 2021 and 2020, uh, we can see that we really uh, did a great job of expanding our base of giving. Uh, there were a lot of new folks among you who said, yeah, you can count me in. Uh, I, I'll pledge this year. A, a good number of you not only maintained what you were already giving to the church financially, but you increased that amount. And, and all of that advanced us uh, a significant portion. But that's the good news. But here's the thing. When we first started doing our budget projections a few weeks ago, you may have you may have noticed some things have happened in recent years, particularly this last year. There's been a downturn in the economy. We've been in an inflationary cycle. Uh, much of our overhead has gone up. And even though we've done a lot of things to, to mitigate expenses, we still were looking at a significant shortfall in our budget, like to the tune of three hundred and fifty to $400,000 in spite of all the work that we had done. That's the, the difficult news, but here's the good news. Our finance team, our administrative staff, uh, we, we sharpened our, our pencils and we really looked at, at that budget and we were able through some cost-cutting measures, uh, but also through a second phase of our stewardship uh, plan to, to talk to some folks who might be interested in doing some second-mile giving and folks responded very generously to that. We've been able to, to close that gap and here in a few weeks at the end of the month, uh, on the 29th of uh, January, we will be presenting a, a balanced budget to our administrative council that uh, while it does have some cuts in the budget, those cuts do not relate directly to our ministries or to our staff at this time. You can clap for that too, yeah. This is a big deal, okay? I'm, I'm so pleased. Here's the thing about that, though, that, that although we were, were able to take care of this budget, we are looking at what we're calling a sustainability gap. Some folks did step forward very generously to do some second-mile giving. We're not sure if that can be maintained for the long haul. Some of the cuts that we've made, even though they don't pertain directly to staff or local ministry here, they're not sustainable kinds of cuts that we can do for the long haul. So really what we've done is we've, we've pushed back that, that looming crisis, if you will. And the language that we're using is that we've built a runway, and that runway is this year. 
Our trustees are hard at work figuring out how we can increase revenue, even in some cases using the property or the facility or the, the building that we have here. Uh, there's other ways in which we are looking, but the main way that we can make use of this time and of this runway is for, for all of us to examine how we are giving of ourselves in terms of our, of our time and our volunteerism and our, our, our help in terms of our, 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 our gifts and our talents, but, but also our financial gifts as well. So if you're one of those who you've been thinking about it or it slipped you by, you can still go to uh, ccum.net slash give and you can still make a pledge and you can make that kind of commitment if you've, you've missed that and would like to today. At the very least, I would hope that all of us would be taking this matter in prayer. Stay tuned for updates. We'll be letting you know how we're doing throughout the year. There will be no surprises as we go along in this endeavor. And you might be thinking, well, my efforts or whatever I could contribute in any way might not move the needle very much. And, but here's the thing. All of us together, we move the needle to where it needs to be. And it's going to take every single one of us to meet this time and to meet this challenge and to meet this opportunity to continue to be in ministry, the life-changing ministry that this church offers all the time to our community. All right. Well, thanks for letting me give you a couple of updates, and let's join our hearts in prayer as, as we continue in worship this morning. Loving God, we are indeed grateful. Uh, Lord, we're, we're grateful for how you have knit us together as your people here, uh, the family of faith here at Christ Church. Lord, we indeed are, are grateful for all the ways that you bless us individually and as a church family. Lord, we thank you for the year that is ahead, and we thank you for the ways that you are, are growing us and the ways that you are leading us and for the lives that are being transformed within our, our own uh, body here and within our community through our ministries. Lord, continue to speak to us of how we can come alongside and be an integral part of all that you're doing here. Lord, now as we turn your hearts back toward uh, more fully your word, I, I pray as always, Lord, that well, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts will be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, as I start the sermon today, I, I want to give everybody an important announcement about mouse traps. okay? Uh, I need to tell you about this because I, I noticed on television the other night that they have finally come up with a better mouse trap. I did, have you seen this commercial? It's, it's pretty exciting, actually. They have this lid that goes over a five-gallon bucket. There's a little ladder that goes up to it. The little mice, they run across a little cord. And what they don't know, because they're mice, is that there's bait in the middle, but they're never going to get to it because there's a trap door, okay? And they're going to step on the trap door. They're going to slide down into the five-gallon bucket, and guess what? They can't get out. And if you look at the commercial, they just keep running into that bucket, and they can't get out. It's amazing. So, you know, when you capture all of these mice that might get in your home during this time of year when it turns colder, you can actually keep them in that bucket and release them near your least favorite neighbor's house anytime. <laughs> you can tell everyone that was advice. Well, don't tell them that was advice from your pastor. But, you know, we may have finally built the, the better mouse trap, but that's not always been the case. Years ago, quite a few years ago, when Kathy and I were in our first parsonage, we discovered that we had some uninvited guests. Yes, mice had begun to make their way in 
to our place. First, I just noticed them in the garage. We weren't too noticed, worried about it. I put any noticeable things I thought that they might attract them, and, and, uh, but they kept coming. And then, you know, one night, Kathy turned on the light in the kitchen, and whoo, whoo, there's, there's a mouse. And guess what? And it's my problem. And it was already my problem. I was taking it seriously, but I, that, that's when I went and got some just regular snap trap. You know what I'm talking about? The little snap traps? Beware if you have never set one of those. They will hurt you, trust me. But we had those things out for a couple of weeks, and they really didn't do very good. They didn't do very good. And then I went back to the hardware store. And I said, I've got a problem. Told him what was going on. And that's when he said to me, sir, I've got just the thing. These things work real good. Now, before I go on, I don't want you to think less of me. I want you to know that I did not think this through. I did not fully understand the ramifications of what I was doing. And we, we, I don't buy these things anymore, okay? But I bought them then, and we put them down. And what I'm talking about are those, the glue traps. Yeah, oh, oh. Now, I don't, I don't want to be overly sensitive. I also don't want to be overly gruesome. But I do want to give a very vivid example of getting stuck. Because when those poor creatures get in that glue trap, man, they get stuck. And they don't get out. There's no releasing them. In those traps, it's almost as if it devours them. Now, why am I, why am I mentioning this today? Well, we're beginning a new message series called Becoming Free. And it's a series on Philippians. And when you look at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, it's a letter that is about joy. It's a letter of rejoicing. It's a letter of freedom. It's a letter of an unfettered life in Christ. And that's all the more amazing because Paul is writing that letter when he is not free he is stuck. He's literally stuck in a Roman jail. He's chained to a member of the imperial guard when he writes this, this letter to the church in Philippi. And as we begin this message today, let's first, this series today, let's first take a look at Paul. Because before he was Paul, and before he ever wrote Philippians, before he ever thought about that, Paul was Saul. And he was stuck. And I'll tell you how in a minute. Paul, of course, born into the Jewish community and, and raised with a, a deep understanding and appreciation for the, for the Jewish law and all the laws that had been, been built around that. Paul had been educated by a famous teacher in the ancient world, Gamaliel. Paul, or Saul, I should say at this time, he became a Pharisee. And he became not just any Pharisee. He described himself as a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He was blameless in how he kept the letter of the law in his time. And he was so zealous for the law that when these new group of people who followed after this man Jesus, who they claimed was the Messiah, who lived and died and rose from the dead, well, he was so stuck in his certainty that he could not accept what they were doing and who they were following, and he persecuted them. And you get into the book of Acts, and you see that there's a young man named Saul who's overseeing the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr of the apostles. 
He is so stuck in his certainty that he has the way God interacts with his people, the way God has things laid out. He is so certain in that that he is overseeing the murder of other people. He is so certain in that that he actually gets um, letters of authority to go to other towns to find Christians and to bind them, to put them in chains and to bring them back to Jerusalem so they could be put on trial for heresy. And it's when he's on his way to Damascus to do just that, of course, when Paul encounters Jesus. And Jesus says to Paul, he has a question for him. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Paul is struck blind by that flash of light. He is nurtured back to health in a Christian community, most notably by somebody by the name of Ananias who wanted nothing to do with this man because he'd heard about him and knew his reputation, but he was obedient to the Lord. And after a few days, the scales fell from Paul's eyes. And after that, Paul, Saul had become the Apostle Paul and he became that great missionary to the Gentile world. He became unstuck. He became free in Christ. So as we begin the message series today, we can get a little bit of insight about how Paul was free and just what he was saying and what we've, what we've heard today. And it first happens to be how he looks at his circumstances, which is being in in kind of miserable circumstances, of being in a, in a Roman prison, of being under guard, of being in jail in one way or another, but awaiting trial and awaiting for his, his execution. That's what he is waiting for, and he, and he knows that. But he's free in the midst of that because Paul senses and knows and trusts that there's a redemptive purpose in his circumstances. And that redemptive purpose is the furtherance of the gospel. He mentions that in the passage you heard this morning, that because of his imprisonment, the imperial guard, as you can imagine, because Paul was being Paul in that space, that, that person that was chained to him had to hear all about Jesus, and the Praetorian guard, they were all hearing about Jesus. So all of a sudden, Paul had taken the gospel to, to the very center of, of power in, in Rome from what had been a backwater province in the Roman Empire. And he also, he also notes in what we heard this morning that because he was in prison and because he was doing what he was doing, others, other members of the faithful, others of those who were following Jesus were all the more confident in, and, and bold in proclaiming the gospel themselves. That's Paul. But what about us? Because it's not just about Paul becoming free. It's about how we become free when we're stuck. Because when I look at Paul, I see Paul becoming free, but there are times in my life when I feel stuck where I'm not just sure that just because there seems to be maybe a redemptive purpose in my circumstance that I feel all that free. And there's something else about Paul becoming free. He, he clearly knows. He knows, the, he knows the what. He knows the who. He knows the why of his life. The, the what, again, is that furtherance of the gospel, the the who is, is Jesus, whom he's proclaiming. And he was in prison, by the way, for a crime that none of us here would consider to be a crime. He was just proclaiming Jesus, and it caused a stir, and it caused him to be arrested. And 
Well, Paul dug in, and he wouldn't let it be settled locally. He kept taking it further and further and further, all the way, intentionally on his part, all the way uh, to Rome. But he knew, the, the, again, the, the what, the furtherance of the gospel, the, the who, Jesus, and the why, which was that Christ would somehow be exalted in all of that. And he even goes so far as to, as to mention it. He'll, he'll be exalted in my body, in my, in my life, or, or even in death. Well, again, Paul's free because he knows the what, the who, and the why. But I don't know about you, but there are times when I know the same thing, but I still kind of feel stuck by circumstances. And, and then there's that, that, that thing that Paul's talking about here, again, about life and death where it seems that Paul is so confident in his faith, he's so confident in Jesus Christ that he doesn't seem to be overly concerned whether he lives or dies in all of this. It's almost as if he's kind of playing with house money, as they say. He, he knows he can't ultimately lose, that, that Jesus has him. Later on in the chapter, he talks about living and dying, gain versus not gain. He, he talks about how he would rather depart and be with Christ, which would be far better for him, but he's called to remain just a little bit longer. He has that kind of confidence in what Christ is doing. Well, friends, a lot of times I think when anyone preaches, myself included, we look at the gospel lesson or the scripture lesson, and i do my due diligence of reading and praying and considering the Scriptures and exegeting the text and thinking about how it might apply to any of us. And there are times when it just seems so clear that, well, we get caught up in the Scripture and we go on a little journey in these sermons and, and maybe we get set down into a place where it's just kind of like, okay, I see how that all works out. This is not one of those kinds of sermons. Because just like a mouse gets caught in a trap and gets devoured by it, you know, they don't need to make a better human trap. We fall in them all the time. We are stuck. We are stuck in our sadness, in our grief. We can be stuck in our anger and our bitterness. We can be stuck in uh, different circumstances of life. We can be stuck in self-pity. We can be stuck in overthinking. We can be stuck in our conflicts. We can be stuck emotionally and spiritually we can be stuck relationally. I know I get that way sometimes. Something happens that I don't expect, and I'm wounded. I'm stuck for a while. Something doesn't turn out the way we expect. Something happens with a family member or somebody we deeply care about. There's an unexpected loss or a change of circumstances in our lives. And we can see and know all the things that Paul saw and know. Yet we feel just as stuck. And it's devouring us. Here's the thing, though. I don't think the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul overnight. And I'm not sure if he began to live that free just all of a sudden. When you look at his journey, when you look at his life, he encountered Christ. He began to follow Christ. He endured deprivation. He endured shipwreck. He endured imprisonment. He endured beatings. He endured incarceration. He endured hard travel. 
He endured betrayal. He endured circumstance after circumstance. And in all of that, he noticed that God was faithful. And that's the thing for us. We may not have the same encounter with Christ that Paul had, but we encounter Christ nonetheless. And we may not literally have scales fall from our eyes as Paul did, but as we encounter Christ through the things that we get stuck in, we begin to see our circumstances and those around us and even how God works in our life and our world in a different way. When we come to a place in life where we feel stuck and then we realize that our God, when we come to the end of ourselves in that stuck place, is one who takes us by the hand and, and stays with us and continues to lead us. I don't know how it works for you, but for me, that's when I begin living more free, more free in Christ, more free in Christ's love, more free in His grace. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank You. We thank You that by Your grace we are free, and we are free indeed. But Lord, if anybody here is like me, they don't have faith just like Paul. But Lord, we have a faith. And we thank you that you meet us at this point of faith, that you meet us at our point of need, that you meet us in those places that seem to be devouring us. And Lord, as we trust, as we place our hand in your hand, Lord, help us to continually trust that you're with us and that you would lead us and that no matter whatever our circumstances would be, we would be reminded that we are free in you. Amen.